a, um, a small child was for the very first time uh, taken out to the, her backyard with her her uh, very loving father and he had bought a very powerful telescope and it was the first time this little girl had looked through the lens of the telescope and the father had pointed it to the moon at her <clears throat> and she was she was uh, taken back she was in shock because she had seen the moon before but <clears throat> now through this machine the moon came into her backyard it was right there now um, she felt like she could just reach out and grab the moon she felt like it had moved to the end of that telescope that she she was she was looking for <clears throat> well the fact is that the moon is actually 238,855 miles and looking through the telescope did not actually bring it any closer uh, to her but her perception of the moon changed as she was looking through that uh, today i want to talk to you about the incomprehensibility of god uh, the incomprehensibility of God. It's one of the traditional um, uh, the early church fathers. The, uh, it, uh, I would certainly um, argue that it's uh, clear, a uh, clear scriptural doctrine. It's considered uh, from from the time of uh, of the church fathers as well. It's considered uh, one of the attributes of God. The the incomprehensibility of God. To me, that's a very strange attribute. Uh, another word for attribute in, in church history is the perfections of God. His love is perfect. That's an attribute. His grace is perfect. His justice is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. Every attribute is one of his perfections. It's a way of describing the, the beauty and the majesty and the glory of God. Strange when you come to the word incomprehensibility. That doesn't sound like a perfection. And so when we say God is incomprehensible, it sounds like we're, you know, we're just saying he's very unclear. He's he doesn't communicate well. He is is hard to get to know. He's 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 distant, or he's uh, you know any, any of these words. So so the so the child can't comprehend the reality of the vast difference of what and what she's seeing and experiencing. What actually in, is in reality a vast difference. The word incomprehensibility is I would suggest is the is the moon being the two hundred thirty eight thousand miles and the knowability of God is is the telescope that we look through. I would say the telescope is is it's 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 listed in many different ways in in church history and doctrine. One is general called general revelation. We know that everything that we know about God, because he's it is comprehensible, everything we know about God is because he has chosen by his grace and kindness to condescend to make himself known. And one of the ways is general revelation. This is found in Psalms a lot. <clears throat> you know, uh, um, uh, you know, the stars declare His glory. Well, that word "declare" there is is a revelatory word. It's it's, it's that God, that God speaks. Uh, one of the great scholars, Francis Schaeffer, was known for this very topic: the incomprehensibility of God, yet at the same time the knowability of God. As he wrote books like "He is uh, the God who is there, and He is not silent." In other words, God is a self-revelatory God. He loves to speak. Now, doesn't that sound contradictory? Um, the, you know, which which one of these is actual is actually the attribute of God? Is it that He is revelatory, that He speaks, or is it that He's incomprehensible? To me, it sounds uh, warmer and more uh, intimate and gracious if if we were to turn this attribute away from incomprehensibility of God into the knowability of God. Um, but if you if you pick up any book on theology, systematic theology, or scripture, 
um, commentaries, you're going to see this word incomprehensibility chosen over the knowability of the knowability of God. Why is that? Well, if you don't start with the incomprehensibility of God and only have the knowability of God, it it, le it lends itself towards pride, towards arrogance, to a know-it-all attitude of of doctrine, of knowledge of God, of of your particular bent towards thinking of God. When we keep the aspect of the attribute of that incomprehensibility of God, it brings us reverence. It brings us humility. It keeps us in, in the school of saying he is other, he is larger, he is greater, he is more glorious. He is. There's other words that, like transcendence of God. When it comes to the incomprehensibility and knowability, two other words might be replaced in there. The incomprehensibility might could say the transcendence of God. He transcends our knowledge. He goes beyond it. So we can know some things of God, like the little girl knew that there was a moon. She and she could see that it was round and it glowed and it had different shades of color in it, but she could not at all comprehend the fullness of God. That's the word transcendence. It's it's beyond. And then the other word is the knowability word could be imminence. He's imminently close. He's there. He's present. And and if you live with only one of those. Uh, so let's say transcendence, oftentimes then God becomes distant, uh, only knowable in an ivory tower scholastic way, uh, that, that he is inapproachable in, in, in totality. Or on the other hand, if you only live with imminence, then he's like, he's my, he's my best friend. He's my buddy. We, you know, he, he goes with me when I go uh, drinking and dancing, you know, cause he's, he's that kind of God. He's just my, you know, he's just a, uh, He's just like everybody else. And that's a scripture that God used in, in anger at his people. You thought I was a God just like yourself. You thought I was one of you. You, you, you. And so when we think of the incomprehensibility of God, we're not saying we can't know God. But what we're saying is what we know of God is, is, is not the fullness of God. There's nothing we know of God in absoluteness. We can absolutely know him. But what we know about God is not absolute. It's it's not it's not uh, the totality of everything. Uh, John Calvin says it this way: For just as eyes, when dimmed with age or weakness, some of us can say amen to that. For just when eyes, <laughs> when dimmed with age or weakness or some other defect, unless aided by spectacles, for some of you that are really young, you millennials. Uh, spectacles means glasses, so uh, you probably knew that, but I just thought, you thought, thought, and I won't go into what a cassette tape is. I'll leave that for another, another talk. Uh, unless aided by spectacles, uh, we discern nothing distinctly, so such is our feebleness. Unless scripture guides us in seeking God, we are immediately confused. So Calvin is saying, uh, God is there. He's present. He's, again, going back to the analogy of the little girl on the moon. He is fully there and he has disclosed himself but we are dimmed and so general revelation as i said is one of the ways god has made himself known another way here's what calvin is talking about is through scripture and then of course scripture talks about the third way uh the the deity and the humanity of jesus christ that that christ is the greatest revelation of of the father when you've seen me you've seen the father and so as we know jesus we get to know the father uh, he is the radiance Another scripture says the or the uh, other translations use that word brilliance or the brightness of the Father, and so He illuminates what is. Another passage says that 
He's the invisible God that dwells in unapproachable light. So if it, if if we didn't have the revelation that was brought to us through Jesus Christ, we would still see through that. Uh, we'd, it would be a, a, a greater darkness. Um, but but as Calvin says here, he, he's really speaking of um, he's really speaking here of of, John, of uh, Paul's passage. We see through a glass darkly. So we see God, uh, but but we don't see all of Him, and that's that's where our reverence and our humility, as I said earlier, comes from. Uh, the Holy Spirit illuminates that. That's the last of the different ways. Uh, general revelation is through creation and through things seen. Uh, special revelation is through Scripture, through Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit. So these are the way He makes a God that we would not be able to know at all, uh, relatively known, or actually uh, deeply known. First Corinthians chapter two, verse ten says, "The Spirit makes a, helps us to know." The things of God, even the deep things of God. So the the knowability of God is not a real small, superficial scratch the surface. It's it's a deep thing of God, but it's not deep compared to the depths of God. It's it's deep to us. Uh, it, it it appears to us overwhelming, too much to handle. Isaiah sees uh, the hem of the garment, not the whole garment, the hem, and he says, "Woe is me! I'm undone! I'm unclean!" Paul, uh, John, uh, Paul falls on his face when he just sees the light of the Lord. Peter sees Jesus on the seashore, and he sa says, I'm a sinner, don't approach me. These are, these are when you see the deep things of God, it causes this reverence, this sense of worship. Uh, I don't think anybody can truly worship God on a Sunday morning in a worship service or when you're having your own quiet time. Truly worship God if you think he's totally comprehensible. <clears throat> But but yet we we want to see him as comprehensible. We're, we're actually when I started this talk, I said if you were to call somebody, if you were to call me today incomprehensible, it would be offensive. It's not a compliment, and yet we we we're using that word towards God in a very different way. When that word was used a uh, hundred years ago, if you if you were to open up a, a Webster's dictionary, an archaic dictionary, the word uh, incomprehensible meant. Uh, inability to know in totality. Uh, uh, so, so it, it, it meant you, you. There's no way you could know all of it. Uh, now it means actually, if you if you look at the most recent Webster's dictionary, it means unintelligible. It, it's it's uh, you can't understand it at all. And so, the this this to me this 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 thing is it sounds almost contradictory, doesn't it? Here you are saying today, God is incomprehensible, but he's knowable. And according to our modern understanding of incomprehensibility, I would suggest, yes, that, that is a contradiction. But if you use the more archaic one, uh, that, that you can't totally know the things of God. You can know some of the deep things of God, but you won't know. To us, it's the deep things of God. To him, we've barely scratched the surface of knowing him. He's higher. He's greater. He's... He's further beyond. As a matter of fact, we could even say the things that we know about God, if you look at, let's, for instance, look at each of the attributes of God. Uh, we can say, uh, I've come to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Wow, okay, so so Paul's saying there, not only can I know the love of God, but I know it in a surpassing way, a way that passes, not just passes, but it surpasses, which is a stronger word than passes. And so he's saying, I know the love of God in a very deep, profound way. And yet the truth of this phrase we're using, the incomprehensibility of God, 
would suggest to us, and Paul, I think, would agree with this, is that he doesn't know everything of the love of God. He, he doesn't know how God first got love. He doesn't know how he loves sinners. He doesn't know how he loves so much to send his son. He, so so some, of, some of God's grandeur and gloriousness is left uh, incomprehensible to us. We, we know his love, but not in the, in, in the depth. Most of the early church fathers put it this way, an infinite creature cannot know an infinite creator, a, a finite creature, excuse me, a finite creature, that's us, cannot know in fullness an infinite creator. Our finite minds are graced by God to contain all that this mind can contain. That's the deep things of God. And yet God in his infinite nature, uh, our, our understanding of love is, is, is finite. His reality of love is infinite. Our understanding of God's wisdom is finite. We can understand how wise he is. That's why you have some problems. That's why I have some problems when it comes to certain issues. I, How can God know everything, past, present, and future, the foreknowledge of God? How, how can he know things that haven't even happened yet? Uh, just so you don't think this is a, a talk that I just wanted to give that is abstract, um, theological of nature, but not biblical, let me read some scriptures to you. Uh, you don't have to turn. Just uh, if, you're, if you'd like to take some notes, you can look at them a little bit later, maybe even in more depth. And then we're going to close with Second Chronicles uh, when our time is over up today here. It's, it's uh, by the way, it's incomprehensible when I'll finish this talk. It's, uh, and no one, no one knows the day or the hour except for the Father in heaven. So Romans 11, Romans 11, 33 and 34 says, Oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. Um, so, so, so there's, there's a depth of riches. We can, we can know his depth. Um, Psalms 145.3 says, his greatness is unsearchable, uh, uh, unsearchable. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Psalms 139.6, David says this. I love this one. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Well, certainly we wouldn't say that David didn't have knowledge of God. But he understood the incomprehensibility of the of the fullness of God. Uh, he, I think he's saying, I can through the Spirit and through through the Word of God scale great heights, but I can never attain or comprehend the absolute pinnacle of the greatest heights of God. Uh, those are beyond me. Psalms 147.5 says, "Great is the Lord, abundant in power; His understanding is infinite." Uh, so, to, in two ways, you can take that understanding is infinite. It's what he understands externally about things around him that he's created is infinite. He knows everything from the smallest details of the molecules in our bodies to the to the way the stars are flung out in the skies. Uh, but but he's also his understanding is infinite in himself. Um, you and I, um, we could go to psychological therapy for two decades and still not know everything about our inner workings. Why do I? keep saying that to my spouse? Why do I keep getting angry? Uh, uh, psychology really deals with a lot of the why questions of the soul. And that's because we don't even know ourselves, in our finite minds, we can't even know ourselves all that well, let alone know God all that well. But it says here, God's understanding, even of himself is infinite. He knows, uh, he, he's never like, oh, I, I, I didn't know, I don't know why I did that. I just, I don't know why I lost control and got angry there. I, I don't know why I love those people. I just, they're rascals, but I, I, I still love them. No, he knows, he understands everything 
uh, about himself. Job 26, 14 says, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. That's uh, This is after Job speaks gloriously of a high and exalted God, but he says, you know, all that I've just described to you are just outskirts. They're not even the, the depths of the intimacy of knowing God and, his, and who he is. And how sm- he goes, he continues, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? So, so he's saying we can hear whispers of God. So we have the knowledge of God, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? We don't understand in, a, in an incomprehensible way of God. So what do we do with this? What, what do we do with this uh, tension? He's incomprehensible, but he's knowable. It, I pray that it drives us to saying, God, all that you have made knowable, let me know. That I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to be near to you. I, I don't want to pass my life by being occupied with um, trivial things, things that are inconsequential eternally. I, I want to spend the bulk of my time certainly knowing our responsibilities and and uh, activities that I must be involved in that are outside of the realm of quiet time prayer, reading my Bible. But, but, but Lord, the time that's given to me, let me make sure that I, that I don't presume to know what you have kept secret, but that I would search the, the things that, and that you would give me a knowledge that surpasses my understanding, knowledge of love, knowledge of grace, knowledge of mercy, knowledge of all the attributes of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us. Isn't that great? The incomprehensible things are his and their secrets, and he's not giving them up. But there are things that belong to us, and these are things that have been revealed to us, again, through creation, through scripture, through the man Christ Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit power illuminating, making known the things of the Lord. Psalms 131 Excuse me, yeah, Psalms 131.1, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. In other words, he's not, he's not saying that he can obtain uh, comprehensible knowledge of God, but he says, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. This is from the man who certainly wrote, with some help of others, 150 chapters that are some of the most marvelous um, revelations of who God is. And yet he says, I don't go beyond what's, what's too high for me. I could go on, on and on and on and, and talk about scripture after scripture uh, about the incomprehensibility of God. But let me switch gears here in the last three or four minutes I have with you and and, and say to you that he is not only, uh, some scriptures saying that he's not only in, uh, incomprehensible, but that he is actually knowable as well. Uh, Romans 16, 26. Now here, here we're talking about the knowability of God. And just I'll, I'll throw out a few scriptures to you. Uh, but now it is manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations. Pretty powerful, um, clear uh, word that, that says that, that he is knowable. Uh, it says now, I like the word now. Now we, we are living in the generation uh, again, the revelation is has ch- the revelation has really changed to a large degree. Um, Hebrews tells us that uh, in times and seasons past, uh, he spoke through prophets and through various means and methods. What he's speaking there he, in the old times, he spoke through kings, he spoke through poets, he spoke through circumstances, uh, he spoke through 
a, a cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire. That was a that was a word saying, "Come here and go there. Don't go here. Stop there." He spoke in various ways. Uh, he spoke through opening the Red Sea and walking through, and then he closed it. That's that was God speaking. He speak, spoke through events. He spoke through prophets. Uh, but it says in these last days, he's speaking. So so we see he is making himself known. He is speaking through, and, and it seems like here now he's being exclusive. He doesn't say now he's speaking through prophets and he's speaking through circumstance and he's speaking through angels and he's speaking through the, the, the still small voice that you hear that helps direct your steps. He's not saying any of that. And I think we need to respect that. And because sometimes I think in charismatic circles, we tend to, listen to like the inner still small voice or the or god said to me uh, I, I think that's good but we have to be real careful with that uh, because if we're not careful we're putting it we're we're aligning it with scripture number one like that god spoke through scripture uh, and if and if we're saying god told me then you have to be very careful because you're aligning it to that with what god told matthew mark luke john peter paul james uh you know and so uh yes god still speaks today uh, with direction and clarity and uh, favor in our life. Uh, and, and yet we need to be careful that we're not putting out on the same plane as the revelation of God, that he's speaking now in these last days. And it has this, this exclusivity to it. It's through Christ. He's speaking through Christ. Everything in scripture speaks of Christ. On the road to Emmaus, he, was, he, he took all the scripture, Old Testament and New, and said, this is what speaks of me. And so we really need to be a Jesus-saturated people Holy Spirit, Father, that that illuminates to us the truth through through Christ. And so now it's manifest uh, by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God. So God commanded uh, that this manifestation would take place. It, it, it is it is a work of God. It's not a work of our own strength. It's not a work of our own power. First um, Corinthians chapter two verse eleven. For who knows? A person's thought except the spirit that's within him. And then he goes on to say that we have the mind of Christ. And so if we have the mind of Christ, we certainly have uh, glorious, wonderful things. Last passage, and, and I'll wrap things up here. And if you have a Bible, turn with me to uh, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6. You there? Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6. But who is able, this is Solomon speaking as he was building the temple for the Lord. He was, he was, it was a great hope that the Lord would dwell in this, this, this temple that he was building. But who is able to build him a house since heaven, even the highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So originally Solomon is thinking, I'm going to build this temple and God will dwell there. To me, that speaks of a inappropriate sense of comprehension that, that, I, could, that I could contain God in a building. In, in the New Testament times, in our days, we would never think we could contain God in a building. But oftentimes we think we can contain him in our mind. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we get... We get offended that we be, that that we don't comprehend God. If I were to say to you today, you do not comprehend God, you might get offended. No, I comprehend Him. I went to Bible school. I comprehend Him. I read the Bible every day. I comprehend Him. I go to church. I comprehend Him. He told me this about Himself. Well, th those are those are the outskirts of 
comprehension, uh, but not the thunder of his power. And, and so Solomon here finally understands. He's built. He's finally done building the temple, and he realizes it's like, oh snap! Um, it's not. It's not. It, this is not going to contain him. Heaven or the highest heavens aren't going to contain him. Now, would that be frustrating to you? You, how much gold you put in there? How much? Resources you used, how much manpower, how many years maybe it took to for him to build this thing, and it, and it's done. He goes, wait a minute, I just realized something. This thing can't contain God because heaven can't contain God. The highest heaven, in other words, he's saying, I know heaven is as high as it gets, but there's a higher heaven, I think, and that can't even contain God. So he's actually speaking here of the incomprehensibility of God, the infinity of God, the transcendence of God, the otherness of God. That he's not like us. That he's that he's outside of our realms, that he's, that his love is not like our love, his wisdom is not like our wisdom, his grace is not like our grace. All of these attributes of God are other than the ones we have. They are analogous, they're, they're like that. You know, it's, it's almost like his body, you know, he uses these terms, the, the hand of God, uh, the eyes look to and fro. Well, God doesn't have literal, I've said this to you several times before, he doesn't have literal eyes, otherwise he would be contained uh, within the realm of what size his eyeballs were or his arm could reach. Uh, to put him in body to, is to put him in um, limitations. A body has a frame around it, a substance to it. And so that's why we say he's, the Bible says he's invisible. And Jesus says he's spirit. He doesn't, a spirit doesn't have uh, bones and, and a, bo a body and blood. And so that's, in, that's, that that's 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 almost what what Solomon's saying here is like he's 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 not a man that's going to come down here uh, and, and and live in this temple uh, it's too small uh, but the, so what so but he doesn't give up and he doesn't say you know tear the thing down does he no he says who am I to build a house for me? except there's something good that can be, take place in providing a place for God to both be incomprehensible and yet knowable because at the end he says. Yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll make it a place of worship before Him. So, so I take I take the knowability I have, I add it to the what seems contradictory sometimes, the incomprehensibility of God, and it just causes me. I don't know about you, but it causes me to stand in awe. I stand in awe and worship Him. That that first of all that He has been um, imminent. He's been near to me. Oh, I worship you, God. You have made yourself known. You. I look at the stars through the telescope and I see wonders beyond my comprehension. I, I, I look at the man Christ Jesus and I'm, I'm flabbergasted at, you know, and, and, and he says that, that, you know, just, just the revelation of Christ. John says, if we were to put all these things, you know, about the, about Jesus in books, that all the books in the world couldn't contain him. Well, there there are about 300 million books in the world right now, and um, to to read those, you'd have to read 27,000 books a day and live to be 90. Uh, start from the time you're born and live to be 90, and, and then you could have read every book in the world. <clears throat> so there's there's so John is saying there, every all about Jesus, the revelation of Christ couldn't fit in every book, and if you spent your whole life pursuing it, you wouldn't finish. It's incomprehensible. Your mind won't get there. And so I thank God for his imminence and his close and has revealed himself to great measure that even the deep things of God I can know uh, and I can spend my life pursuing that, but also worship him like Solomon did because he doesn't fit in the heavens or the high heavens. He's beyond that. 
He's beyond my. He's beyond finding out. He's beyond my knowledge. That doesn't cause me to be angry at him or frustrated with him. It causes me. It causes me to glory in him. Uh, that 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 I could know him more than than anything in, in the world. We can know parts of God. You know, uh, I was looking at a um, a um, a mathematical equation. You ever seen those kind? They're like a whole page long, and it says like e times t versus so and so pi squared, and then like line two is l equals five times seven minus three. You know, you ever see those equations? The whole page. I can't comprehend them, uh, but I but I look at that page and I say, hey, look, there's a five. I know there's a five on that page, or there's a minus sign, or there's an equal sign, or there's the pi sign. So I so I can know some of it, and I'm thankful that I can know that. I'm thankful I know what five is, um, but but I, but I know it's beyond me. And that's just maybe a small illustration of what God's like. We can never know the total equation, but there's aspects of it that He's made Himself known to us, and those aspects are life-changing, life-transforming, uh, edifying, worship-inducing, praise, praise uh, enhancing in our life, causing us to 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 want to glorify Him. <clears throat> if if you if if you've never thought about about the incomprehensibility of God, you're missing out on something that can uh, promote a greater sense of worship. Uh, uh, and, and when you sing, I, I stand in awe of you, uh, I stand in awe, uh, th th then you really, you go, yeah, I, I kind of really do, because you're, 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 you're far beyond what I've ever, uh, you know, ever dreamt or imagined. That's, this is where the Ephesians 3 passage really takes a difference, because we almost always translate it for us he's uh, God will do above and beyond all that we think or imagine and we think wow I kind of want a good job maybe he'll do above and beyond what I think or imagine or uh, I want to you know uh, all you single folks out there I want a spouse that's you know above and beyond all that I ever thought or imagined that those are good and I certainly believe that passage can be translated that way but I think if you take it in the context of what we've been speaking about today the incomprehensibility of God. Now all of a sudden you start saying, above and beyond all that we think or imagine, speaking of God, not of me and my wants, but speaking of God, he's above and beyond all that I could ever think or ask or imagine. I want to know this God. I want to know you more. And so uh, let me pray for us and uh, I pray that uh, what is comprehensible of God, we would say, God, I want to know it all. I don't want to miss one iota. Uh, I don't want to go to heaven and say, I could have known uh, you know, a thousand elements, and I only got 300. Uh, you know, if there's a thousand available, I want to rise to the to the standard and get a thousand, uh, or at least 990. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's pray. Father, thank you for. Uh, I think it's easier for me to thank you for being knowable, and and I do thank you for that. It's 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 glorious. It's beautiful. It's precious. It's near to me. It's it's in this room with me right now. It's in. It's in my mind as these words form for my prayers. There's the presence of God. Thank you for that. But Lord, in this generation, we seem to lost the sense of awe and wonder and majesty, the incomprehensibility of a God that's higher than the highest heavens that Paul goes to the third heaven and sees. And he says, it's unlawful for me to speak. In other words, I don't even have any words. Like I saw some things, but I can't tell you about them because I don't have I don't have words that would describe it. And Lord, give us that sense once again, of the incomprehensibility of God, that 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 you dwell in an unapproachable light, and all we can do is is build a place in our hearts to say, uh, 
this this is a place to 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 burn offerings to bring offerings to you and say god we we honor you we exalt you and we thank you lord other things around us will ultimately be comprehensible science will figure it out math can be equated uh, <clears throat> things can be known found out on earth because they're finite and we have finite minds we can certainly grasp them but we i'm thankful to you lord that my finite mind <clears throat> has a sovereign lord over me that is infinite uh, that that knows my <clears throat> my waking and my sleeping that knows my going in and coming out and knows my formed me in my mother's womb and knows everything about me knows every thought i've ever had or ever will have and and somehow incomprehensibly watches not only out for me but seven billion other people exactly the same time you're having conversations uh where i can converse with one or a small group you converse with everybody intimately these are beyond my finding out but i do thank you for a glimpse of the knowledge of this and i want to know more and i pray that my friends listening to me today would want to know more of you i pray that what i've said today would spark a uh, spiritual hunger within them and, and spark a uh, a desire lord to come humbly before you not feeling as if we know it all or anywhere near it but that this sense of incomprehensibility would cause us to um, to be awe-inspired to be humbled uh, to to see how to, and to never see you as smaller than you are because when we see you smaller than you are we always see ourselves bigger than we are and our problems become bigger our stresses become bigger our our, our selfishness and dreams for ourselves become bigger rather than our than, than living for you, the, the, the great and mighty and holy one. Thank you, Lord. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.